Are we recording? <laughs> oh yeah! It's like <laughs> a year from now. <laughs> Macho. Oh man, that's Vincy. I like that my kids know that I'm healthy and strong and fit, and that their mom is healthy and strong and fit. Going, okay, I can still get better without having to do a max effort every single day. Smashing yourself on the roller for uh, an hour, right? you're good by the next day as long as you had a sandwich and a net. Okay, today's episode, after a couple week hiatus, um, we are going to be switching topics now and we will be delving into um, a very large topic uh, about periodization and training periodization. Um, we don't really have a, we don't have a formal layout as to how the next few episodes will go um, as we're still just getting our heads around how we want to present it. Um, so today's episode will be kind of the overview episode and just some general conversation uh, about how we go about planning and how we go about, um, I guess, yeah, I guess how we go about planning and how we think of periodization in the context of what the sport we work in. Before we get to that, a message from our sponsor, um, that being us. So if you are interested in in, um, in any of our uh, upcoming coaching seminars, which we will be doing uh, throughout the year, please go to our website uh, and click on the Learn More button, and that's underneath the Don't Miss the 2021 Coaching Education Seminars. Get yourself added to the list, and um, yeah, by the time we get our first uh, seminar up and done, probably by 2022, <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be able to register. Um, okay. So I'm going to read a little paragraph here as to why, why we named the episode, why we did. Okay, and this is taken from, um, this take from uh, John Keeley's Planning for Physical Performance, uh, The Individual Perspective. And I'm just going to scroll down to where it is. Okay, I found it. Okay, so from the article. Um, In the most extensive examination of human predictive ability to date, Philip Tetlock of the University of California at Berkeley collated the precisely specified predictions of a large cohort of experts. This 20-year study involved 284 professionals, all of whom made their livelihood through their prediction and analysis of political and economic trends. All experts were given regular lists of questions and asked to forecast future outcomes. All had access to extensive information, had extensive experience, and had levels of uh, relevant education that were considered leaders in their respective fields. Yet, when the results of many thousands of predictions were collated, it became blatantly obvious that their ability to predict was universally poor. No single expert became remotely close to being consistently right. In fact, only in certain cases were the expert predictions better than um, what researchers termed dart-throwing chimps. So, that's why the episode is named what it is, um, because the underlying, I guess, uh, one of the main assumptions of what would, I guess, what could classically be termed periodization, um, and you got to remember that classically termed periodization is probably not what you think it is. A lot of people would just think of periodization nowadays as probably as planning, um, but you got to remember that the traditional periodization idea is is predetermined as a predetermined format and a predetermined sequential format. 
of you're going to do this in this this phase or this month you're going to do this in this phase in this month and you're going to do this in this month now we're talking three like three months six months nine months four years out which again that's what it is it's a predetermined um i guess a predetermined sequential uh, phases of training and the key word being predetermined and this is what you're going to do so after we do we do get our strength gains and whatnot then we're going to go into strength and power and after we get our power then we're going to go into endurance and it's like or whatever for whatever logical reason um there is for those phases uh, and i guess in cross you don't there isn't anything remotely close to that in crossfit as to how people would lay it out uh to my mind um but there could be some ideas i suppose to make it that segregated um, i'm not really thinking of them offhand because i don't i don't really study um i don't really study uh, uh, um, other people's approaches that much um but again to 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 reiterate the point of uh, what, what most people would think of as periodization, I believe, is just around planning training and not the traditional and actual scientific version of predetermined phases and layouts. Okay, And that's the reason I read that quote um, is because you think about what's the, like, how, like if you have an athlete right now, um, how are you supposed to know the optimal stress four months from now? Like, what's the optimal stress that a- that athlete should be experiencing to move them closer to their goal four months from now? You you have no idea. You don't know what that stress is. Uh, and the idea that you can plan that out right now, is to me, is absurd. Um, and all you got to do is just work with people to realize that that's not the case. Um, and so there's two two real points where I wanted to where, where I guess where I really want to get at with this because I get this question lots in my uh, mentoring service and have over the years where people would always ask me like that talk about periodization and how do you plan this how do you plan this um, and so that one thing right the ability to predict what the future outcomes are going to be both in terms of what the adaptation of the athlete will be and then in terms of what the optimal stress at that point in time for that athlete should be uh, is foolhardy. Um, and then the second part, um, what was the second part I was going to say about that? I just lost my, the second part of it. Uh, anyway, let's just start with that and it'll probably come to me. So yeah, just give me some ideas on, um, I don't know. You want to just contrast what we do with, with that predetermined idea? Um, or do you want to just kind of talk about a general idea as to how you do it? Well, I, I just like to talk about like why someone would, why is it the prevalent um what's the word i'm looking at? why is it why is periodization and the theory of periodization so prevalent in in and exercise and sport anyways like what why does mm-hmm. it exist if we're going to go through this this whole process of showing why it's not necessarily effective uh yeah good question uh you're probably managing you have a small amount of people managing managing a large amount of people yeah so if you're like taking anecdotal success stories yeah. from population size of uh, like millions, yeah. you run a million people through a program and you get one or two that pop out the other end highly successful. Chinese, or you ha- Chinese weightlifting. Or you have a positive group average. Yeah, right? and then you're sitting there going like, well, look at this worked. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it worked for how many people? Mm-hmm. And, and then on, what type of people? And what type of people? Are and they highly trained people or are they complete beginners? Yeah. So if you're taking your selectively um, choosing your 
your success stories and omitting all the other like essentially the detritus of your program mm-hmm. like they don't if, if you're not successful you're not good mm-hmm. get out of here and in every like and another part to that which i which i was speaking to one of my friends uh martin from sweden he does some good writing on uh, just his he, he's actually pretty good at elaborating his thinking um on the way he sees periodization and training in general and he used to coach uh who's the guy who's the scandinavian guy that finished second or third that one year 2018 2019 Goodman, beat, beat, Goodmanson? No, Beat Brent. What's his name? Oh. Remember that big dude? Anyway, I think he used to work with him a while ago. Anyway, a lot of the I think a lot of it comes down to the and why people are looking for it is because they're it provide it can provide security. Mm-hmm. This idea that okay, whew, now I know what the periodization layout should be, so now I can just follow the steps. That's easy. That's great. You're like, yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, and I think. Um, one of the most important aspects of which I'm, if any, if you, if you seriously coach people, you have to live with uncertainty, right? You're just, you, you, you just is, that's the, that's the nature of it. You're just going to be uncertain about what you're doing, your decisions, how it's going to work out. And that's why you have to monitor, 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 and assess how it's going. Um, Cause that, that is the nature of it. And I think if, um, and I, I don't want to use, I'm not going to use a specific example, but I know individuals that uh, would be Olympic athletes that have these predetermined training programs to follow, and they're Olympic athletes. And you ask them a simple question like, okay, so what happens if, for example, in three weeks you're progressing faster than expected, or what happens if you're not progressing at all? What happens to the training program? And they're like, nothing happens. Move I'm on like to the next week. Yeah, we go on to the next week, um, and there's way again. There's ways to write a program like that so you can have some auto regulation for the individual and change it based on their own perceived effort and potentially how they're doing for that day, so they can tone it down or ramp it up how they feel, whatever. Um, but just just that idea and like the it's just because it's there's a constraint in that they don't have enough people to work with these individuals, right? So it's like a bandwidth issue. You just have this potentially set, set problem this is a solution and it works good enough yeah potentially um okay and then the other so in the, the second point finally came back to me the first one is that you can't you're not gonna be able to predict the optimal stress optimal training the second one is to stop thinking um it's it basically to stop over analyzing so much your decisions uh and just you almost have to know that as, as long as and like so a good example here is uh, i pose this to people all the time in my mentoring service so if you have like if you had a four week training block with some individual and you had this all planned out and they were doing like this certain squatting layout on they train let's say they trained six days in a row Monday through Saturday, and they had this specific squatting layout on um, a Monday and Thursday, and the goal of the layout was specifically to improve their squat. That's what you want to do. Everything else is basically just trying to c- try to keep everything else afloat type of thing. And after the end of those four weeks or five weeks, and you could see that they were progressing and their front squat was getting better, and that's what you really wanted to do, like, why wouldn't you just kind of rehash the whole thing and do it again? Because what is the goal? Is the goal to change the training or is the goal to make them better? Like, the goal is to improve the front squat, so why wouldn't you just almost restart that, sort of? You can make some slight adjustments, and I think there's reasons for that, but why wouldn't you just do that, Right? Like, is it just so you can look like you're doing more work and you're putting more thought into their program? But 
the important part is that you noticed what you should have noticed is that they were progressing on this stress and recovery type of layout. So why wouldn't you just do it again? Like, let's see if we can keep this going. Like, why would we switch it? It, it doesn't like it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, so the idea is because if imagine you're at the end of this 12 week cycle now and we're like, we got to move out of this and move into this. No, you don't. The goal is to get better. And if they're currently getting better, what they're doing, why would you why would you switch to some predetermined? Why do we got it? Why do you have to switch it? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what is that? Right. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and there's tons of examples, especially with younger or uh, especially in research, right, with with the untrained populations and some non some people who like they do uh, aerobic training and then they cross over to doing just the strength training. And during the aerobic training phase, these individuals basically don't see any improvements in their VO2 max. And then after six weeks in the strength training phase, they see an improvement in their VO2 max and they do better on the So it's just it, it's just it gets complicated, right? It's, it's complicated as to. Uh, is to try to assess how someone's going to adapt and what they're going to adapt best to. Um, obviously, there's some rules. There are rules, uh, and the rules you can get from that article, which we'll, co- which we'll, um, uh, we'll link, is pretty obvious to almost anybody who's had any form of a successful coaching practice, is variation in training is important, uh, and progressively increasing the training load or stimulus or stress is important, Right. And so if you have a periodization layout that incorporates those two important variables, you will probably see success within it. So that's good. Um, But what if you just don't have to follow these stringent, uh, logical, not scientific, logical rules? Um, Can you have a better training plan? Like, does it allow you more freedom to interact more closely with 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 your client, with your athlete, to then try to devise the most optimal setup with them, right? As opposed to going, wow, this is going to be great. I can't wait for you to do your program in four months from now because I already have it written out. Hmm. Right? Like that sounds ins- that sounds insane to me. Um, <laughs> like you can't predict it. Yeah, there's just so many things you can't predict what's going to happen, uh, and you can't predict the adaptation. Right? You can only uh, you can only you can only assess what's going to happen. You can only allow it to reveal itself. Any other comments on this? What other thinking do you have? You know, just going back to and I, and I want to make sure we're not because we may be we may not be doing the best, giving the best version of the of the periodization plans, um, or the traditional periodization plans, right? We may that may not be exactly what their assumptions are. So if we're getting that wrong, um, that's not intentional. Is it an assumption that uh, adaptation and progress is predictable, though? No. But that's it, that's what periodization would be based off of, but we can see that it's mm-hmm. not. So I mean, yeah. If you do this, this, and this as prescribed, you'll progress in this fashion. So you'll adapt at this rate. So periodization is based off the assumption that pro- progress and adaptation is predictable. Mm-hmm. And trying to fit them into a box. Yeah, and then that way you can use that prediction to plan your next phase of training. Yeah. And and if you take that to the the end end state of it, you can predict how every single individual is going to react due to this program out till four years. And like, that's just clearly, like you said, insane. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But there, there, there is an underlying logic mm. to the idea of like, well, we're going to, uh, and this is where people get confused. With the, I think get confused with the idea of periodization and the idea of training, a training plan. 
is that you go, well, what's the problem with periodizing and planning out the training work volume you're going to have six months from now and moving it up? And like, say me as a runner, like, what's the problem with that? Like, there is no problem with that. But that's just part of a good training plan because a good training plan uh, incorporates progressive overload, right? right? And you're going to try to progressively increase it up to a certain point if I can, right? Um, And that's, but that's the, that's the point of it. It's like, yeah, that that's an important aspect, but that's not unique to periodization. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to do it that way to get that. Um, and then, like, um, what you were talking about last day during our meeting, um, like, remember this little spectrum of like of randomization or control of a pro of a training program, right? So you have a system. Um, just think on one end, on the far one end is a uh, is maximal control. Uh, and no and, and controlled variation and planned variation and everything like that and that's where you could think of like a really really um, dictatorial periodization plan and on the other hand you have uh, Dave Castro with a hopper wheel <laughs> it's like just just ripping it out um, but that's probably not even random enough uh, to use a hopper because you still decide what goes in the hopper so it's still not as random as it could be uh, but either way just think of those two completely different paradigms right um, and then, so like, where, like, what's the op, like, what's the optimal, right? You have these these two op, these two systems from one end to the other, and why would any one of them work, right? Because you may have periods in training, and like specifically with Matt and um, uh, and Rich and T and whatever, um, if you if you analyze their training over the years, you could a- if you can actually analyze, you probably w- you're going to see a lot of variation for one. That's part one. Um, part two is you're gonna you're probably gonna see a progressive overload in terms of how much they were doing initially versus what they're doing up at their peak, and then it will switch a bit, right? And there'll be a seasonality to it. Um, but and more so with Rich, I would say is you're gonna see a lot of intuitiveness, and you're gonna ask them like, why did you like why did you keep doing this, these types of scenarios, or why did you keep doing this type of scenario, or why did you switch what you had planned on that day? Um, and just those obvious questions going like because he probably knows what's best for him. Like he knows what he needs to do. So you have two things there. It's, it's connected to what he needs to get better at. And because it, it is, and it, because it's, it's connected to what he needs to better at, he has, a, he has the right intention in doing it. He wants to do it. So everything is aligned in the right position. You're like, I'm gonna train today. I'm gonna switch this because I need to get better at this because of this. So everything's headed in the right direction. So that's like a really, really great setup. Um, and that's more so what we need to do with our own coaching with clients as to how can we how can we allow them to do more of that and to make those little changes on their own and allow for more freedom in their program. Not freedom to do as they wish, but freedom to guide the stress in the right direction on any one given day. Because even if you go down to the like so we're talking on the we're we're really like making critiques of periodization on the ma- on the macro level. So and really quickly for people who don't know what we're talking about with periodization is you think like you have all these levels on top of each other. So you have the really large level of a macro or like a, um, the classic quadrennial cycle. So the Olympic cycle, so four-year cycle. Then you might have a macro cycle, which could be one year. So say there's four macro cycles in that quadrennial year. And then within the macro cycle, you have mesocycles, which could be per month. So you might have 12 mesocycles in there. And then you have one, one microcycle, which could be a week. So you have four microcycles within a mesocycle. And if you train six times, there's six like uh, training sessions within a microcycle. 
So what we're like, really the way you want to affect their training is to affect them at the training session level, right? And try to see what's happening and then try to guide the rest of it around the best you can. Knowing full well ahead of time, which should take pressure off you, knowing full well ahead of time, you're not going to get it right. Just knowing that is you need to be okay with that. That there's always going to be a different way to probably do it and a different way to organize it, and you have to be okay with that as long as you're trying to get in the right direction, right? So that is what the periodization uh, terminology would be. And so what I'm saying is I think as for us as coaches, what we need to be better at is, is modulating and changing what people do for those that are probably appropriate to do it at the training session level, right? Because that's where they can make those on-the-minute, on-demand changes. And sometimes clients like are like, hey, I made this change, and, uh, and this is like years ago. Like, I made this change in my program because I wasn't feeling like this. I just want to let you know. And I was like, I, I'm, not, I'm not being clear enough with them that they need to, they need to do that. If there's, if there's something comes up or something feels odd, they need to take the ownership of it and change it. Or, or make this adjustment or switch this. Like Tom did that last week with his knees or the two weeks because he's like, ah, I'm not doing that. I'm switching it to this, which that's of course what he should do, right? Um, but just to be more clear, obviously, with people to go, listen, I'm providing you what I think is the best option. I need you to kind of, so like I'm basically getting to getting the ball at a five-yard line. I need you to drag it over the, over the line. I need you to drag it into the end zone. That's what the training is. We're and trying then, to, and then give them the opportunity to communicate that with you as yeah. well, so you can plan carrying forward, right? Exactly. Each week. Yeah, exactly. So we're just trying to make better ways to do that uh, in the training. But I like, I do like that analogy because the idea that that you as the coach is going to throw it right into the end zone is not happening. Mm-hmm. You're going to get it to the five yard line at best, and it's up to them to drag it over. That's the only way it's going to work. You're never going to get it right. Um, like a, a simple example, like weightlifting. I felt really good before I went for max. Cool. But you're not going for a max every single week because that's not a good program. <laughs> yeah, and you're not. But you're also not going to feel like that every week. No. Right? And so when I when I put in there, could go up to above ninety percent, and today you feel like a seventy five percent day. That's okay too. Mm-hmm. Like, but that that comes with experience of knowing that it's okay. Yeah. Right. Or it's been it's been six weeks since I maxed out, and I feel really good, so I want to go for it. Cool. I, or 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 the the knowledge of oh I maxed out last week, I'm not going to do it again this week. One thing I've started doing with some people to to try to help this on the microcycle scale <laughs> um, is to like if they do two sessions a day, uh, sometimes I put in the brackets of the second session. I only want you doing this session if you really want to do it, or if you feel great and you have and you're energized to do it. Otherwise, I don't want you doing it. I'll make some of them optional sometimes yeah, just exactly. based on where it fits in the week. Yeah. It's like but the thing is, slog, it, but this like, is yeah. go for a 30 minute run real easy, but only if you really want to. Yeah. But it's, it's so, but this is where it gets so, it's so tough because you know yourself, sometimes you don't want to train and it could just be one fucking session a day, right? You're like, <laughs> I don't uh, want to do my 40 minutes. God, today. I'm feeling a bit of run down today. <laughs> Can't do my first workout of the week. <laughs> Um, after three, right. after three or and four, and you know days you get, off. and lots of times you get started, and you're like, I feel great, like yeah. this is fine, um, but we're not in that situation. So you, ha- but the, the thing, the trouble is, is that you have individuals who, um, if you give them that option, it's like a test to them. They're like, I'm not mm-hmm. a pussy. Yeah. yeah, you're like, 
So that, that's yeah, right. Very selective with who you give that. Exactly. To. And then, so some people you can't even give it to them. You just have to erase it yeah. and be like, yeah, we're, I know you're going to do it. If I put anything out there, you're like a dust buster. You're going to suck it up. Yeah. Like it's just going to happen. Um, so that, that, that's the, and that's the coaching magic of it, right? Not like, and you have to get to know people and get to understand people before you can even get to that level of it. So again, the idea that you don't know someone, whatever, you're going to plan all this out is horseshit. <laughs> just straight up. Like just that little discussion there. You can't account for that. This person could be blowing themselves up week to week because they're just that person. They're like like the Bill Bird dogs. Like, this is what we put for. <laughs> if you guys know that joke, you're going to love it. But if not, you're just going to think of <laughs> We're a bunch of crazy Reddit gamers. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, where else you want to go from there? We covered some lots of good stuff. So, like, yeah. some of the things that we do do that would be in line with periodization ideas, like, um, and this is where the lot, like, the, and this is where I mean, like, you can't throw everything out, um, is that, so, like, the, the real, 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 real general, uh, non-detailed version is over, over the course of a train, oh, like a macro cycle potentially prior leading into an event, you're going to do what with uh, training intensity from the start to the finish? It's probably going to go up. What are you going to do with training volume? It's probably going to go down. Uh, and what are you going to do a couple weeks before? Probably going to cut the training volume quite a bit. It's just called a taper. Okay, like I get it. What about uh, the 12 months in between? <laughs> like, what about all the details in between? Um, I get that, but so you think with the grand scale idea, I get it, it makes sense, right? Yeah. It makes logical sense. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's right, right? It makes log intuitive sense that you would do it that way, but that doesn't mean that it's correct. Um, and again, all you have to do is have 20 different athletes to work with, and you're gonna know pretty quickly that that is not gonna work, mm -hmm. right? It's just not. Yeah, I just I think of like obviously with you know traditional periodization, just called like an Olympic program where they're trying to get to this end goal, and so this is the training program to get there, right? Um, we'll have something Pick similar. The sport. What's the sport? Rowing. Okay, rowing. Okay. Um, so year one Olympics is four years out. You need to have you know these times to be to to qualify for the Olympic trials. You need to win the Olympic trials to go to the games and you need to have these type of times and these distances to be competitive on the world stage. So that's kind of what you're training for. Now take it down to our level where we'll do something very similar in the sense of like, okay, <clears throat> it's maybe that maybe the focus is squatting strength because per, the person's a poor squatter and we'll take it in, let's just say a six week block, but the priority is squatting. And then that six week block may extend out to three, four five, six months. But the difference in that in that, you know, two months to six months is there's tons of variation within that. And what happens or what works for say Jason won't necessarily work for you. And through experience with multiple different clients, we kind of identify those things, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're on, you know, call it an Olympic traditional periodization plan, there's no deviation. It's the one size fits all. And that's the way it is. If you're not progressing, it's because you're not good enough or, you know, you just maybe it's not you're not cut out for this or whatever. Right. And it's just kind of like 
almost like an act of attrition. Those who are good just kind of progress on yeah. and those who don't just weren't meant for it. Where it's like, well, maybe not. Maybe just a different approach would have kind of drugged those people along, you know, and they, they could they could have been a way better athlete than they were had the, the program been more adaptable to them, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's like based off of a – I can see how valuable it is for a national rowing program when you have just an unlimited number of people that are chomping at the bit to be at that level where you're just going to – like you said, like you only have you have a small number of people trying to manage a large number of people, mm-hmm. and you're just like, okay, people that can go through, but that's that doesn't work for a a, a population like I don't know, like an individual is trying to get the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. So that, like following that specific national rowing program is not going to be the best for that individual potentially. Potentially, and and like quite clearly because because how many people are at that ultimate elite level it's like it's such a small number mm-hmm. but I, I see the value of it being a large population for sure because you how many how many coaches are you going to employ like there's there's <laughs> there's a financial like uh, constraint on it too you can't for have sure. one person for every 10 athletes at that level you have to just be like you have one person for the 10 top athletes and then those are the only people that actually make it there mm-hmm. there's people who benefit from that program I don't know. It's like I can see it on a massive scale. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I guess my point I was trying to make there was just we both kind of use that periodization principles or principles of traditional periodization, but ours is just much more adaptable than something that's constrained, like yeah. you said, like an Olympic training program. Yeah. Right. And that's just the nature of the program. It, it kind of has to be that way due to the natural constraints that are placed upon it. Right. Whereas we don't have those constraints or, or very few in mm-hmm. comparison. So. There's also. But it's but it's more work. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're well, way more ha- you're way more hands on, but it's a better that's what, experience for everybody, that's why right? People, that's why people do training plans. They write blogs and they write train group training plans. Yeah. Is the point is that like, it's way easier, right? Uh, and they try to their best to make the modifications within the training plan and to allow the adjustments needed for those people following the training plan to try to meet those people where they're at. Um, because yeah and it's less expensive right which is definitely a perk for lots of people and that's what they want right they don't want to pay as much for it have to have their own coach they'd rather have a plan which is fine um but all those plans are trying to get as close as possible to having an individual coach help them and then even us right we're trying to do everything we can to act as if we're there with them doing the session but we can't do that we're just closer to the goal than the plans are like we're we're clo- we're more proximate to what the actual function of the training is than a plan is because the plan's way distant to it. Um, and again, like some people, so there's two sides. I've 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 had seminars with people who are who work at the uh, the Pacific Canadian Sports Institute in Victoria. They and they they would agree with basically everything we just said here. Um, and they and it's funny because I remember telling you guys about this with this tra- this think tank I went to here in Calgary uh, with these guys. Um, and again, they all work at the Canadian Sport Industry Institutes across Canada, and they have some people from the Premier League that would come. There's physiotherapists from all across the all across the province, and it's just interesting because most most of those people who are really in depth working with the individual athlete, that's exactly what they that's how they approach it. They're like, yeah, we have we we assess the athlete, we identify what the key performance indicators are for this sport. So, for example, this guy was working with. Um, three meter board divers springboard divers and 10 meter and so he had all these they're like they need to be able to jump this height they need to be able to do this this is what we got to do and so they measure these things as they go along and they have the at they track the athletes feedback and how they're doing 
And after the end of the four, five, six week, whatever they're doing, they reassess like, okay, how are the KPIs doing? Are they progressing? Cool, let's keep going. Go back into it, let's do it again. Or some variation of what we just did, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Versus, okay, we're seeing regression here, now let's reassess what we did, we gotta, we, now we have to change something here, right? It's different in CrossFit because there's like, you have some, some KPIs that you will follow, and there's other ones that you can't even follow. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's other metrics that you can't measure uh, that you know are there, and there's other metrics that are there that you can't measure and you don't even know are there. So there's all these variables trying to move along. Um, and so that's, that's what I mean. Like, so all you're trying to do is get as close to that as possible. And an individual coach helping someone is as close as you can possibly get. And every step back from that is farther away. And it requires the athlete to make up the difference Right, and making the changes for themselves. And the, dragging the football a lot farther than five yards, right? Yeah. It's like uh, you're at the 50-yard line. Here's a program. Yeah. Do the rest yourself. Yeah. And the, again, the anecdote being, again, the anecdote's like, okay, well, Matt Fraser came from this type of system. Rich Ferrani came from this type of system. I agree. It, it, and it would, you'd, be, you'd be hard to argue that, like, you could have done it better for them than what they did because I would go, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But could it have been done better? Yeah. There's no way to argue it couldn't have been done. You just go look back on what they did, and you would go, why did you do so many wall balls that one year? See, they would have said that too because that's they're intuitively the, evolving their programming yeah. for themselves by looking back at it like, exactly. oh, that was dumb. Yeah, exactly. That's fine, right? Um, so they're trying to get closer to closer what's more optimal for them. But what if you could have made it closer right from the beginning, right? If you just got to know them really well and you got to see them develop and whatever, um, yeah, could you have made it better? Yeah, maybe. Just just expose Rich to rope climbs, <laughs> like just once. Um, okay, so a com a common scenario I do see is like uh, I'll have some individual client send me, uh, and I've had this over the years where they send me this is what my weightlifting coach wants me to do, right? And it'll be like here's the it, literally it's all written out, right? It's here's the next four weeks. Um, and so and he's like well, I was like. Um, just curious, like, why would you want? Why do they want you to follow that? They're like, well, we want they want everyone to be on the same page and the same time. Like, okay, I get that. It's okay, but let's just say because these scenarios exist, and I want you to present present me the argument as to why this can work. Okay, so you present why it can work, and you present why it can't work, or why it's not optimal. Not why it can't work, but why it's not optimal. Um, so the scenario is you have like all these lifters. And you probably have five lifters, and we'll just pick men, who have like, they can snatch 120 kilos, so 265, they can clean a jerk 150, so 330. They're, they just pick these five guys amongst this group of 50 that are following this plan from this um, Tom's training facility. <laughs> Tom's house of pain. <laughs> Overrated. Okay, so you have these five guys. Um, but within that, you but their front squat maximums, are all over the place. You have the lowest front squat max at like 160 kilos, and you have one guy with a front squat max of 200 kilos. Okay? Why should they all follow the same reps and sets? Like, what's why Why can it work? It can work because it's controlled, uh, controlled volume and intensity. So um, you have a, a predictive outcome. Uh, if everyone's doing the same work, then everyone should be if the volume is appropriate then should be fine to handle that volume because usually the usually the training will be written in percentages mm -hmm. so it's going to be relative right they're not going to tell yeah. you what weight to hit um it'll so, be like so whatever like, five five by three yeah. 
power clean Again, plus so jerk at yeah. 80, 83%, whatever. Yeah. That should be manageable for everybody. Yeah. What happens when you get to the assistant stuff then? What happens when you start doing the squatting? So you have the guy doing 200 kilo front squats as the max, and his best clean and jerk is 150, right? So his cl he's clean and jerking 75% of his max front squat, and he also has to do three by three three reps, 10 sets at 75, 80%, whatever. Why does he? Why does? Why does he need to do ten sets? Bro, you're stealing my thunder. I'm just so like so. I, I want no. I want I want I want Scott to just like just try to think of why. So, so give, why me, that, can give work. me that scenario again. So just the guy with the really high front squat relative yeah. to his clean and jerk. Yeah. Why Why should he do the same squatting layouts as the people who are potentially squat limited, like the Tom in the group? Well, you see, the reason uh, I gave that squatting volume to him is because his positions aren't great. So I thought just the, the amount of volume that he would do, it's still relatively low compared to his max. It would, it would allow him to, um, I guess, kind of hone in his positions and, and work on his squat from more of a positional standpoint. So repetition is not necessarily a bad thing for him, even though his squat is relatively strong compared to the rest of the athletes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's such a blue pilled answer. <laughs> yeah, so I Cut think I, I did steal some of Jason's thunder. But the example of being you have these two guys doing the same session. Um, this one guy's front squatting 160 and a 150 clean and jerk, and this other guy front squats 200 and a 150 clean and jerk. Um, like, what, why, what, like, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with it. So, why should, why would they have different squatting sessions? If, if you're, and, and then what would you replace that volume with? Oh, that's that's easy. You have a ton of, of things to, to yeah. do. If someone already has a well-developed front squat relative to their um, their clean and jerk max, you're wasting time trying to make their front squat better or stronger because it's good enough. So you could spend more time on the things that will make them uh, make, yeah. make their uh, a greater longevity in the sport or you could potentially by cutting down on work volume. By cutting down on work volume, um, they may even improve their clean and jerk relative to their front squat with less front squatting mm -hmm. because their legs aren't fried. What about the argument that, and I don't, I'm not saying anyone poses this, but what about the argument that that person needs to have a squat that that much far that that that's oh, that side of the reserve clean strength to give them the confidence to even hit that clean and jerk because they're that type of person. The reserve strength argument? Yeah, but uh, I don't even know. Maybe that is the argument. Mm -hmm. but I'm just saying, like, what if it's just a perceptual thing? They need to be able to clean it and have that much leg strength to even have the confidence to jerk that weight. Then you can maintain that strength with less volume. Like, you, you can... You touches can, on it here and okay. there, yeah. right? You know, yeah. that'd be a and you can spend that time and training volume on something that will gr greatly improve their... Like, yeah. potentially, like, just uh, hypothetical, maybe they can benefit from more snatch balances and yeah. they can spend more time with that squatting volume at a lighter weight in a different position. What's your best return on investment? Yeah. Right? You, and you have to look at that individually. You have to, cause you can't say that for the person that's, that's clean and jerking 93% of their, of their front squat and be like, Oh, this person probably moves like a boss and all you have to do is make them stronger Yeah. and they should be spending more time on that squat. Mm -hmm. Like that's, a, that's, I, I would just say that that's like a, hypothetical generally yes that's the way i would approach it like what's what's nadia's best front squat too too much like 140 yeah. so what does she spend her time on too much squatting <laughs> uh -oh. I, I don't 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 listen to this <laughs> she's not gonna listen no one listens to this. <laughs> um, but then and then we have the opposite dutton right what's dutton's issue squatting what does she work on squatting 
<laughs> but I mean, but it, it does. It does that example you brought up of you want your legs to feel strong, so you have to squat. And it's like cool, mm-hmm. but how you squat, how much you squat, has to be individual. Because mm-hmm. like, can you maintain, um, can you maintain your squatting strength with touching on it every week, or is it an integral part of your program? Maybe you're spending, you're doing more pause squats to improve your position and positional strength, but you're doing less overall volume. That's an individual. Um, variable you have to look at that individually because mm-hmm. you can't I mean yeah you want your legs to feel strong you have to squat for your legs to feel strong how much do you have to squat real life example I need to squat three days a week to feel normal Jason needs to squat once a month uh, no like three times a year <laughs> I just don't squat <laughs> <laughs> I give up yeah <clears throat> okay that's pretty good next I think next episode we'll uh We'll probably just go into more of the factors or the stress aspect and what important things to consider with regards to the training stress are outside of reps, uh, sets, uh, and work intensity and duration. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the episode and know someone else that will, please share it with them as it helps to grow our reach. If you haven't done so already, please leave us a review wherever you listen. For questions about topics covered on the show or topics we haven't covered yet, send those questions to spiraloutpodcast at gmail.com. We do read the emails and have some topics that were submitted by listeners and we plan to cover them in the near future. You can follow at optimum underscore performance underscore training on Instagram to find out when new episodes are available. And last but not least, if you guys are in Calgary, come by and check out the gym. We offer individual design as well as personal training for those close by. If you live far, head over to optimumperformancecalgary.com to get information on remote coaching and athlete camps. Catch you guys in two weeks.